welcome back to the Taproom Exclusive. I'm Dean Zarball. I'm here at Mays Valley with Jake Turner. We have moved on to the Monk in Public. Love the name. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I mean, as uh, a kid listening to, like, punk rock growing up in the, uh, you know, 90s and early 2000s, it was, uh, yeah, you know, you had Punk and Drublick, from yeah. which they have since made beers and stuff out of, uh, but when... I made this beer that did not exist. So yeah. I was so like, this oh, predates that. Yeah. So I was just trying to kind of come up with like a silly name that, you know, would hearken to, you know, Belgian monasteries. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, Monk in Public. So. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, it's also kind of a test. It's a little higher in ABV. Yeah. What's yeah. the, what is the ABV on this? Uh, I'm going to be shocked when you tell me. It kind of floats me. between like 10, 10 and a half percent. So. Yeah. I don't taste it. No, like it's, no, yeah. This is just like going back to that, the first episode of balance, of balancing that, uh, that, that aftertaste to, yeah. to keep that alcohol burning. But I feel like Belgian beers have always been particularly good about that. Like if you have like a double that's, you know, seven and a half, eight percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, they sneak up on you real quick because they're just so like dry and fruity. Yeah, that you don't ever. You know, it hides their ABV very well. So, yeah, this is. I I knew it was probably going to be double digits, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just just from the style. So this is a Belgian dark ale, Belgian dark strong ale, dark strong. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of, you know. There's always a differentiation between, like, Quad and Belgian Dark Strong. They're closely associated. They merged the category this year, past year, at GABF for them. Um, But I always think of, like, a Dark Strong as being, you know, what it says. But the Quads, to me, were always more of, like, the, you know, 12% or more alcohol range where you're really getting up there. so this this is definitely underneath that, but so was it how well, when was the first batch of this brewed? So the first batch of this was actually brewed on the uh, the brew magic. So we were still oh, really back in the day still running. The, I think that was if it was one of or if not the last batch of beer that I okay did off of that system, uh, and it was interesting because I mean we had little like one barrel unjacketed fermenters. So I was trying to figure out places between the brewery and the winery of, like, where I could stick that fermenter yeah. to, like, get it warm because it was in the wintertime. And I was trying to just find warmer spots to put it to let it, you know, towards the end of fermentation just kind of really work through and dry dry out at the end. Yeah. Um. So it was like I had it going in the brewery and then, like, wheeled it over on a you know pallet jack over to oh, the wow. uh, winery because they were running the heat over there so yeah. <laughs> it was like you know just moving it around to yeah. uh, to get in the temperature area where it needed to be um and that first batch was really good but the the second batch i brewed which coincidentally was the one that won the medal on at gabf uh i remember i that was one of the early beers we brewed on the bigger system and I just, uh, like, I brought a sample of it down, like, post-fermentation, but before it was running in the bright tank, and, like, gave it to the owners down here. I was like, this, this is a special batch of beer. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is going to do something. I'm not sure <laughs> what yet, but I was like, this is a special beer. Like, yeah. you know, I'm very excited about this. And then, uh, yeah, when it went out at GABF, I was just 
you know, floored. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be an experience, man. Like we were talking last week, that's just got to be an experience. Right, yeah. Um, the So have you are you do you like to drink uh, like Trappist? Very much so. And so what would if you had to rank one of your top Trappists, what would you what would you put? Not necessarily number one, but what what would you put up? Well, I mean, like Orval is mm-hmm. terrific. I mean, I love that beer. Look forward to those Orval releases every year, and I'm always looking at like, all right, what store rounds getting Orval this year? Uh, yeah, I gotta go and make sure I get you know get my allotted amounts. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's definitely one of my favorite. It's just with the some the thing that always amazes me about like Trappist style beers is how much flavor they're able to coax out of like very simple ingredients and processes. You know, they weren't you know largely kilning malt to a bunch of different levels yeah. when when a lot of those breweries started it was you know a lot of kettle caramelization and stuff where it's just everything is technique mm-hmm. and it's amazing to me like yeah. what what they've been able to accomplish just with very simple processes and techniques and obviously uh you know the yeast characters uh that they're getting uh, it's just it blows me away and it, was, it took me a long time to get into Belgian beer uh, after I started drinking craft. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of, like, the banana, clovey type characters you get out of, like, a Belgian triple or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, so it took me a little while to really delve into, like, Belgian beers. But, like, once your palate's there, then it's just, like, a wonderland of, <laughs> yeah. of tasty stuff that you're just like, how are they doing it? Right. You know? Just how do they coax these What's flavors the out secret? of this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it God? No. Right. Um, the, uh, one of the things I would love to do, one of my absolute dreams would be to road trip between all the Trappist breweries in Europe. That's I keep trying to convince. And at Spencer, but like, (laughs) like fly back, come and do Spencer. But like, and I would love to just do like, just get on a motorcycle or something. Well, that's, I, you know, I keep trying to goad my bosses out here into like sending me to Belgium. I was like, you know. You know, uh, you know, we've been Learn doing these, these uh, yeah, we've been doing these saisons and you know, like a public and stuff. It'd be great to go on just like an you know, educational experience yeah. and you know, go go out to Belgium and get into some of these Trappist breweries and really see how they're doing things. Uh, yeah, because so far it hasn't worked. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, uh, one because that was like you said, I was a little bit hesitant getting into Belgian styles and. But hearing, like, the idea of what a Trappist beer is, the fact that it's not made for profit, yeah. um, and and all everything goes back into their into their church. Yeah. Something about that interested me. I'm not very religious, but just something about yeah. that just really interested me in the fact that they're doing it for the, for the craft, not for money. I mean, they are to help their church, but, like, not in a super selfish way. Yeah, commercialism is not a motivation yeah. for what they're doing. You know, they're they're one. I mean, a lot of times that's the meal they're having. Right, is you know their beer that you know. Um, so it, it, the history of like Trappist breweries is so interesting to me. Just like, yeah, it, it, like I said, it blows me away what what they're able to do, and it just you know, 
that is if I had my you know if I had my druthers and I was opening my own brewery largely what I would be doing is like Belgian and continental European style beers because those are the things that I truly love like, you know they've been around for so long and I feel like in America we're always getting like the kind of the scraps from Europe of mm-hmm. what's you know exported so when you're having these beers you know you're not even getting the full experience here. Right. So my thing with like, you know, I started brewing this beer because there wasn't really any Ohio Belgian style beers, uh, you know, really back then. There yeah. were a couple, but it, it wasn't a big thing. And I had somebody that worked at because uh, we had just started getting into the rail restaurants. Okay, and since they're all Ohio beers, uh, one of the purchasers was like, you know, I'd really love to have like some kind of like Belgian style beers on here. And I was like, perfect because I want to brew a Belgian Dark Strong. Now I have an excuse. And now I have a good reason to. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, that just, it really is like that's, I fell in love with craft beer because of like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and like the Stone IPAs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But as time has gone on, the things I really appreciate are like those really well-made like Czech and German Pilsners, lagers, um, and Belgian styles. Um, it just to me the the appeal is just the the simplicity and you know just what you're able to coax out of those four ingredients yeah. where there's nothing else you know getting in the way. Yeah, so. absolutely. I'm I'm loving this beer. I, it's a sipper. For oh, me. for sure. It's a this sipper. this one's a yeah. sipper. Uh, the, the last few I've been crushing, yeah. but, uh, this one's definitely one I've kind of had to take my, my time on. Yeah, um, for sure. This is, this is definitely not a beer you want to rush when you're drinking it. And then it gets, you know, I feel like it just really gets more delicious as it warms up, just really opens up. Yeah. So. That's what I was about to say. Like it just opens. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit more of the fruity. It's just, it's really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if what would you eat with this? this um, one's, I this think one's a weird one. Something like that, uh, yeah, because of the, I mean, just kind of like those caramely, fruity, uh, fruity type of notes. I mean, candied nuts yeah. would be something that uh, pairs really well with this. Any kind of, like, drier fruit. I mean, you could drink this beer with a slice of cherry pie, I would think, and it would yeah. be pretty wonderful. Absolutely. So, yeah. There's there's a couple different things you can go, a couple different ways you can go with this sure. one. Um, at the end of, uh, my, my time with the brewers, I like to do a segment called between two hops. Uh, it's like a, like the end of inside the actor's studio. It's a little 10, 10 question questionnaire. Um, we're going to get right into it. All right. What is your favorite style of beer to brew and to drink? Pilsner. Both for both. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, what's your least favorite style? Uh, any sour beers. I'm pretty... Pretty uh, averse to those. I mean, I've really tried. I have. It just it doesn't appear appeal yeah. to me. If we all like the same thing. There only be one yeah, kind of beer. Exactly. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Boy, at this point, I mean, I'm not sure. I'd probably look at some sort of. I mean, probably like a chef's job or something. I mean, that's my other passion at this point. Like, I really enjoy cooking. You post uh, some really great pictures <laughs> of stuff that makes me really hungry. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's that's like my other hobby. Uh, now that craft beer is a profession, cooking has become the hobby. Nice. Uh, 
Yeah, I've, I've worn a lot of hats in this life at this point. You know, I've had some pretty interesting uh, jobs and experiences. Uh, I was a medic in the army, served with an infantry unit. Oh, wow. Uh, went to Iraq a couple of times. Uh, I was a professional fireman for a decade after that. Uh, worked a bunch of, you know, just low-end kind of jobs when I was in high school and yeah. stuff. Uh, so at this point, yeah, that's... Uh, I don't think I would ever actually do that just because I know the rigors of, like, right. working in a kitchen or, you know, it's not like me at home just messing around, yeah. uh, you know. You don't want Gordon Ramsay yelling at you. Yeah, no, not at all, so. Because uh, there's always the Gordon Ramsay from, like, Top Chef, and then there's the Gordon Ramsay from, like, Kids Top it's Chef. It's so confusing. It's like, how is this person the same person? <laughs> right. He's such a jerk, yeah. and then he's so nice and Correct, supportive. yeah. Um, what profession would you not like to attempt? Uh, boy, probably anything in like meat processing or, oh yeah, anything garbage related. <laughs> Kudos to those people. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it takes they're, a special person. Yep. Um, what hurdles did you personally face opening Maze Valley and how did you overcome them? Uh, so I think the hurdles for me here were, I mean, when we were scaling up from, from the small uh, brew magic system to the 15 barrel system. I mean, this was my first gig professionally, so I didn't have any experience on like a larger brew house. And it's funny to say a 15 barrel system is a larger brew house <laughs> right? uh, because that's like pilot system at yeah. Fatheads. Or, yeah. you know. uh, but it was just uh, learning how to scale things, um, learning all the, the more industrial processes there. Uh, and that was that literally I went to other breweries. Uh, John McGrordy, when he was at Canton Brewing Company, was like kind enough to let me come over and do some brew days and cellar oh, nice. work and stuff with him to uh, get my feet wet that way. Uh, so, yeah, I was just getting around to places and, and asking a lot of questions and spending a lot of time on like professional brewer forums and asking what I'm sure were idiotic questions. <laughs> <laughs> You know, during those days when we were waiting on all got to start somewhere. Yeah, so we all we all ask those questions at some point. I've probably asked a whole bunch of idiotic questions on this show. <laughs> uh, what was the most interesting trend in craft beer that you saw in 2019? Oh boy, uh, I would probably say like the the boozy seltzers and stuff. Uh, seeing kind of that spring up. Uh, yeah. On one hand, it's. It's kind. Of, I get it. Like you know, you got the people that are health conscious, but mm. they still want to get wasted for some reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's and we get questions occasionally about things like that. And my attitude has always been: I, I work at a brewery. I don't work at a seltzer manufacturing right. plant. I mean, I understand these things are popular and they're profitable There's for a market for it. A lot of breweries that are like trying to keep a foothold into you know a bunch of areas. I but it's competition. It. Sure, but at the same time, I'm like, my passion is not boozy seltzer, it's craft beer. Absolutely. So It's boozy bread. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, what was the least interesting trend you thought of in 2019? Boy, I don't know. Um, it can even be the same answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, like, those. they're not interesting to me at all. Uh, <laughs> I have no interest in, in hard seltzer whatsoever. Right. So. <laughs> I I don't know if this was a joke or not, but somebody's there was a picture that Four Loco did it like their own seltzer. It was oh like God. a fourteen percent. Yeah, I'm like I don't know if that people. I honestly don't know if that was a joke or not, but yeah. I almost want to try that. <laughs> um, 
What is one piece of practical advice you would give to someone starting out in this industry? Um, definitely uh, be open-minded, ask a lot of questions, seek the uh, the advice of your peers. Um, and that's that's probably the, and that's one of the reasons I think Ohio has probably one of the best craft brewing uh, scenes in the country is because we're so open mm-hmm. uh, as far as you know practices and that, you know our goal I think generally as as a group of brewers in a state has been to ensure that that people coming online that are opening breweries and everything are making the best beer possible yeah uh, because if one place down the road from you is making subpar beer man that reflects on the industry as a whole um, especially I mean it's weird to say still but still that's a that's a problem yeah uh even though craft beer has been around and more popular for a number of years now that's still the concern is like you know somebody's going to open up make subcar or subpar beer and then it's going to turn people away from coming to visit your business yeah Uh, absolutely well there's this you know craft beer's blown up into this huge industry that it has in the last few years and there seems to be people who want to try to get in and just ride the wave, and th- yeah. I feel like that's that's how you see who those people are. Sure, yeah, you can figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, you you know the people that are passionate about it and the people that are into to make a quick buck because right. they see a emerging industry. So. Uh, if you could send a message to yourself ten years ago, what would you tell the younger you? Oh man. Uh... <laughs> I don't even know at this point that me 10 years ago probably wouldn't have listened anyways. So. <laughs> I have no idea. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> pay attention while you're homebrewing, I guess. <laughs> it's all going to pan out. Um, and who or what has been the biggest influence on your brewing career? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I, I still say, like, those early beers that I was drinking from, like, Sierra Nevada and Stone and, like, Flying Dog and stuff, like, those... Those really were like the the gateway burgeoning, you know, type of things where, you know, when I was in the army, I drank a lot of awful beer in the uh, barracks, a lot of, you know, light beers. Yeah. And I remember the first time somebody like gave me a Sierra Nevada pale ale and I drank it. I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, beer flavor. Beer can be delicious. Uh, Because I didn't really like beer before that. Like, it was just something that... It was a means to an end. Yeah. I mean, you're just hanging out at the barracks, like, drinking, uh, you know, Bush Light and Old Crow. And, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, when I first had, like, I think, yeah, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, I think Terrapin Rye was another one I had early on. And I was just like, man, these are really delicious. Like, I didn't know that beer could be delicious like this. (laughs) And that really was what put the light bulb on. Yeah. And, like, yeah. So... Very cool. Uh, anything else about Maze Valley or the uh, Monk in Public that you want to get out before we head out? No, I mean, uh, yeah, we're we're here. Uh, we're open six days a week, uh, from ten a.m. to nine p.m. Monday through Thursday, and then till ten p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, yeah, we're out of the way, but come and see us. There's lots to do out here. We've got full kitchen. We've got a deli. We've got uh, all kinds of like salsas and you know knickknacks and meats and cheeses around yeah. and then uh we've got the beer bar and the wine bar and it's lots. a nice vibe yeah yeah i really so. like it out here man and I, I highly recommend people getting out here um make a trip definitely worth the worth the trip out here definitely get out here to maze valley uh jake thank you so much for your time for Absolutely. letting me out here and uh tune in next time for another all-new episode of the taproom exclusive yeah cheers